When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Good morning and welcome to the BWI Live Penn State Football Preview Show. The Nittany Lions take on the Northwestern Wildcats this weekend. I'm Thomas Frankar. Our experts, Sean Fitz and Nate Bauer, are here to deliver a whole host of information to you and to give you uh, their insight into the upcoming game. We want your insight into the upcoming game as well. We'll be talking to you throughout the show for the next roughly 60 minutes got a lot of stuff to get to we'll have a practice recap we'll have our game preview and then of course the bwi mailbag is back for the first time in a little bit so it is chocked full we got a lot of questions to get to um so drop yours in the chat right now and we'll be able to get to some of them uh in the mailbag but we do have a pretty full show so far um so get them in early and we'll have those conversations throughout and then of course during the mailbag but guys um this is an interesting game it feels like generally people are excited about this team, but it's hard to get up for this game on Saturday. I don't want to play into any necessarily any tropes, but fits. How are you gauging this particular game and how Penn State is treating it heading into Evanston on Saturday? Well, um, much like the team, we've got to bring our own juice today because I think Northwestern uh, and that atmosphere at Ryan Field, which is actually one of my favorites in the Big Ten, like I, I just I love it. Like it's like a high school game. It's the most accessible stadium in the Big Ten. You can go wherever you want, um, you know, but you can see, I mean, you're going to see the team right up. Close. It, it, it's great. It's very different than last weekend, naturally. So uh, Penn State's got to sort of manufacture its own juice, if you will. But good teams are able to do that. And I think Penn State has a good team. So I think uh, that is probably a storyline, much like the 11 o'clock local start, that will probably be a little bit overblown. A, a slow start wouldn't surprise me, but I don't think it'll be because the guys aren't ready to go. I think it's more of a situation of, you know, just coming out and executing and finding get, getting your feet underneath of you, um, especially after last weekend. That defense was able to tee off on Iowa and I think they eventually will be able to tee off on Northwestern, but it's you know it's going to take some time. It's a, it's a complete reset there. Um, so I, I think that once they're able to do that, I mean the talent gap is I think pretty significant. This was a one-win team under Pat Fitzgerald this year. Congratulations uh, to David Braun, uh, two-win team this year already. So um, yeah, doubled. That's uh, th I mean that that's awesome. Like that that is for for the what all those players you know went through over the last uh, several months. For that to not be a complete dumpster fire, I think is a tribute to the coaching staff there, and they've done a heck of a job. That said, I think Penn State has the ability to roll them this weekend. Uh, Nate, uh, you are on the travel roster for certain, I know. I don't know if the full travel roster for this week, but what are you looking for uh, going to Northwestern? Fitz, you got me You got me thinking maybe you're going how much you like Ryan Field. Oh, um, I'll be there. I you'll be wait. there? Yeah, Nate right. and I are coming out tomorrow morning. We're, uh, you know, we're looking forward to... Uh, you know, a perfect strangers uh, reunion in Chicago. That's right. So. Bulky. Uh, <laughs> yeah. No, I'm questionable with a knee uh, this weekend. No, but I, I will. Uh, I will be there. What am, what am I? I yeah. I, I mean, look, Penn State. It, I don't want to give away my entire line of thinking here, but P Penn State has not played a close game in a really, really long time. Right. Like they, they are beating people significantly this season and even dating back to last season. Right. So outside of the losses, Penn State is winning since the Purdue game last year. Penn State is winning its its games by four touchdowns. Right. Outside of obviously Michigan and Ohio State, uh, which says to me, this is a team that is confident or a program, I should say, that is confident and comfortable with handling its business against what really is becoming a true separation, right, of tiers in the Big Ten. And at this point, it, it is so painfully evident that it is Penn State, Michigan, and Ohio State, and then everybody else. And so my expectation going into this weekend, uh, you know, 
uh, at the at the risk of fans thinking that I'm jinxing them, is for Penn State to just handle their business, right? To to just be what they are, which is the superior team in really every facet of the game, uh, and then to to put that out there on the field this weekend. So it's going to be kind of a handle your business trip for everybody involved. Uh, we'll get into pre- uh, our, our practice observations in just a moment, but want to make sure that we give our time to today's sponsor, which is My Perfect Franchise. We've talked about My Perfect Franchise. I think they might be the longest running sponsor of the BWI live show. So if you've been here more than once, you know about My Perfect Franchise and Andy Ludekin, what he wants to do to help you uh, live a better more free life. So what he does is he takes you, somebody who has experience in the corporate world, maybe you are trying to leave the corporate rat race, maybe you're looking for your own American dream, he can help place you in a franchise to manage and help you get to that situation where you are your own boss and you can buy into something that is successful and profitable for you and the company. So check him out, Andy at MyPerfectFranchise.net or you can call him at 404-973-9901. That's 404-973-9901. We get to talk to him and I I, I quiz people on, uh, on, on their businesses because I like to learn stuff, especially things that I have no knowledge about whatsoever. And business is about as far away from my knowledge base as it can be. He's got a lot of great information about what's hot, what's trending. He knows from brick and mortar to stuff that is a little bit more hands-off. Whatever your expertise level, whatever you can do, whatever you can shine at, talk to him. Andy and MyPerfectFranchise.net. Once again, thanks to Andy for being a sponsor. And you can check him out on the Blue White Illustrated message board as well. He is a longtime message board member um, at a number of different sites. So he gets you and he wants to help you with your next stage of life. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Speaking of the next stage, we're going on to our practice observations. And Nate, I want to talk to you for a second because... I was over on the offensive side of the ball, so you and I have uh, some some similar observations from practice. So I just want to start full observations, bluewhiteillustrated.com. But what did you glean from uh, practice last night in terms of tone and tenor uh, with the offense? Yeah, I I think certainly uh, on the offensive line, right, which was it was where I spent a decent amount watching. That was a group and a position coach in. Uh, Phil Troutwine, obviously, who were motivated, right? I, I mean, I guess I would describe it that way is, is aggressive, maybe, uh, you know, feeling assertive. Um, certainly they were, they were repping run blocking. And uh, mm-hmm. from what I noticed, right? I mean, you know, we're, we're only there for a fraction of time, right? I mean, it's 15 minutes, maybe. Uh, I have not been there for many pancake blocks in that time. And JB Nelson put a scout team defensive tackle on his butt twice uh, in, in that period that I saw. So yeah, I I do think that there is, there are kind of two themes there. One being JB Nelson, who has been a storyline all season, given the the loss of Landon Tangwall for the year and and his career, obviously. Uh, But also just, just how they're approaching this game. They are coming off of, a very good game against Iowa, right? That that has been recognized nationally, not just internally. And so to to try to take that foundation and build upon it, I think is is something that they're uh, they're really trying to do this week. One of the things I noticed talking about JB Nelson was he was getting, I I think maybe even a little bit visibly frustrated because of the things that he was trying to do and wasn't quite getting. And then later on, when I turned my back and I, I'm I'm checking out the running backs and and the receivers because of the way everything's positioned. All I hear is, that's it, JB, and like very excited from Phil Troutwine. So he is really a player in development, even as he is a starter and a guy that is progressing. Uh, one of the other things I noticed was, just as you mentioned, an intensity to everything and, and that whole conversation. We had to start the show. It seems like that's being essentially 
pushed by the offensive staff of attention to detail. No slippage in a week where you're going into a game against Northwestern. Fitz, on the other side of the ball, on the defensive side, what were you looking at and what were the players that you observed, some of the, the moments from practice you want to share here on the show? You're muted. Yes, I am. Um, I think it's more in line with the um, the general the general theme of this part of the season, in that Penn State starters played a limited amount of starts against or a limited amount of reps against Iowa. So check that off your board. They're fairly fresh coming out of that game. This weekend could be similar. Next weekend they've got the bye week. Then they've got UMass. This is a knock on wood healthy unit right now. Like, and even James Franklin said it last night. It's like they're. I don't want to say surprised with how healthy they are, but like it's it's a good thing. You're seeing the same guys out there over and over again. You're seeing the same drills and things like that. So there's not really much to, to glean from this. Um, but like the fact that those guys are out there practice after practice, you're not, you know, you're 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 taking pictures, you're writing down numbers and everything, and everybody's there. And I, I it sounds like an absolutely nothing observation, but to to be that healthy a third of the way into the season is is such a good thing. And again, I'm knocking on the every piece of wood I've got in this thing. So don't blame me uh, for any of this. Um, but no, I think it's, it's a very good thing where this defense is at. They're in a great headspace coming off of, you know, an Iowa offense, which you don't expect to score points, but you don't expect that either. You don't expect 72 yards and four first downs and, and what have you. So I think that this defense really good headspace right now, it's, it's, it's going to be um, a good next month. I think with uh, they're going to be able to do what they want to do. Like, and that's, that's the most fun version of defense that you can watch. I've said it for a long time. Manny defense is Manny Diaz's defense. Very fun to watch. Um, and when they get their ears pinned back and go, it's very cliche, but man, they, they get after it. So I'm excited to see that. I'm excited to see, you know, you, we won't see as many younger players this week because of the big 10 travel roster limits. Um, you only send 74 to, to Evanston. So, you know, you're probably not going to see the deep, deep reserves, but like there's a, there's an opportunity for, for more rotation. And what Penn state's been able to do in the last couple of years is use that rotation to benefit them down the stretch in November. We remember how that, how good that defense was in November last year. Well, it's because all those guys were, were fresh from the schedule that they played. So I think Penn state in a good spot, they've got the West Virginia offensive line behind them. They've got the, the trip to Illinois behind them. So now you yeah. set yourself up for, for a lot of success going into the bye week, UMass, and then eventually, of course, Ohio State. So the, I'd say the the focus of some of the young players in playing is on the defensive side of the ball with most of the the green lights, you know, the players that are definitely going to play and burn their red shirt. We've already talked about a lot of those guys. They're pretty evident. But um, is this an area where you might see a shift in which game the yellow, sh the yellow light players, guys that are maybe going to burn their red shirt, maybe going to be a part of the game. Because it's a travel game, would you see them later in the season as opposed to this game? Is that kind of what you're saying on the defensive side of the ball specifically? And does that change like with UMass at homecoming coming up in a couple of weeks? Yeah, I think it changes with some guys on more the red guys with UMass in terms of getting okay. those guys out there, getting uh, Tamir Robinson maybe or, or Kevion Keys out there. Uh, it doesn't really change much. It doesn't change anything with the greens, but the, the most curious thing this year so far has been Jameel Lyons and the fact that they played him for one play against West Virginia. And, you know, if you want to play Jameel Lyons, that's great. Play him, like play him whenever you can. And uh, Khalil Dinkins said it last night. He's been awesome. Like he's been really testing that, that, uh, that tight end group, the tackles and everything like that. Um, but like to play him for one play, you, you take yourself out of that. Um, and by the way, now, I know Nate caught it, but last night when James Franklin was asked about that, he he mentioned that playing in the postseason doesn't count. He didn't say playing in a bowl game doesn't count. He said yep. you might get a couple of games. So there's confidence there coming from the top as well, which is uh, not something you typically hear. Um, you know, he didn't come out and say it, but not something you typically hear from, from the top at Penn State. So I, I think that there's a balance there. Um, guys like Lions, who are right in the middle there, Donka and, and Javen Williams, if we're going to go to the other side of the ball, um, they played uh, last weekend as well. So, you know, it's it's I don't want to say the pivotal time of the year, but you've got to make those decisions and, and, and sort of just live with them at this point. Um, there are guys that I think they're on the line right now that, you know, it might not matter if they're here for a fifth year. Like they think Jimmy Lyons is going to be really good. They think Andrew Rappelier could be really good. You've got some decisions to make there because of the guys in front of him. Not so much because of the player, but uh, would you know if they're gonna if they're gonna travel them if they're gonna plan to play them? I would I would expect to see you know some of that last uh, some of that this weekend. I will say going out to Illinois, you saw Jerry Cross at the end of the game. You did not see Rapplier at the end of the game. Mm -hmm. um, I'm blanking on whether he didn't he did not he did not play um, against Iowa. Correct? That's the one that I can't remember. 
Uh, not off the top of my head. I do fix yeah, Rob Lea has you know? one game. One game. Okay, so that gives you some insight into what they're thinking with him, but they think he's going to be really good too. So there's that. Uh, that does pivot perfectly. You mentioned James Franklin uh, subtly hinting at <laughs> at a, a, an extended postseason run. Nate, um, was there anything from James Franklin yesterday that you found interesting in terms of conversation points or or what he uh, was willing to give up on a Wednesday press conference uh, and some of the things he said? Because I know that that's one thing, but is there anything that you, you keyed on from what James Franklin said last night? <sighs> no, <laughs> I, I mean, look, it, it was a, a pretty straightforward uh, post-practice scrum, right? I mean, I think that he talked, he did mention the health of the defense, which I thought was important. He talked about going out there to play at Northwestern, right? And just what it's like out there and then the preparation that they're putting into it. So, I mean, I thought that that dominated, that took a, a big portion of of kind of his time was discussing how how they're going into this, what their mentality is, and how they have to handle it, right? I mean, mm -hmm. if you look at uh, Northwestern's home average attendance, they've only played two home games, but uh, they topped out at like 20,000 fans, right? So they're averaging 17,000 at that place. You yeah. know, I, I mean, I, I would, to be honest with you, I anticipate quite a few Penn State fans. Uh, at this game this weekend. So there, there will be maybe a little juice on, on Penn state side for that, but it is, it is something, right? It's, it's yeah. not, uh, it's, it's doing this for 20 years, right? Uh, this feels like the storyline every time that Penn state goes out to, to Northwestern is talking about the fans and the crowd and the atmosphere, but it's not nothing, right? So it's a little trite, but it's also not nothing. Yeah. Well, one of the things that I, right off the bat, James Franklin, when asked about the offensive line and giving them the, the collective unit of the starters, all seven players, including the two key reserve players, uh, player team MVP of the week for the second time in a row. Um, the, the, his response wasn't necessarily, yeah, they're playing great, et cetera, et cetera. It was this is not a patty cake award. This is we believe these guys played the best out of any of the players against Iowa and there seems to be this continued drumbeat fits of hey the offensive line is actually good and there is this continued disconnect between fans worrying about Michigan and Ohio State and what the offensive line has done so far so did you uh, are we getting closer to a reality alignment here or is this just going to be the way it is until they play a significant name on the schedule reality Get out of here with that. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, th those questions aren't going away. Like you, I mentioned, the schedule is what it is. Northwestern by UMass. And then you're know, like, that's when the questions ramp up. Can you do that against Ohio State? There's a question later about Caden Wallace against JTT. Like you, you don't know until you get out there, but they're doing what they need to do right now. And I think that they're, they're coming along. I think they're sort of, um, you know, Penn State staff, I think is grinding them out like to, to try and like, you know, get those edges fine by the time they get there. Like this is a yeah. situation where you see them running into stack boxes and things like that. You know, they haven't come out and said it's with a purpose, but like you have a tough time arguing otherwise. <laughs> like it better be for a purpose, I guess I would say. Yeah. Um, so like, I, I think that's where we're at with that. And and you've seen continued improvement. You mentioned JB Nelson, like JB Nelson's done some really good things. And also JB Nelson's looked like a first time starter and that's yep. going to happen. He's going to have those moments where that happens. So um, it's about balancing it out. And it's that, I think that getting those guys on the same plane, you know, Olu is so good. Hunter Norzat's played really well. Caden has played pretty well. Like getting all those guys, Venga has come in and, and done some nice things, getting those guys on the same page to peak at the right time. And the right time is what, three weeks from now. Yeah, for sure. I, I want to follow up on, on this particular topic and I apologize. The, the thread completely fell from my mind. Cause I was thinking about what you were saying. Um, the, the, Anyway, we'll move on. I'll think about it later. One of the things I want, yeah, that was that is what you call panic on air, where I had a great follow up question and then it just whoop out of my mind. Uh, what I will say now is, if you're enjoying the show, please like and subscribe to the Blue White Illustrated YouTube channel. Things have been going great. I just want to say thank you to everybody who has supported us. We are growing very well here on the YouTube channel. We're bringing you all kinds of pre post game content, weekly uh, live shows, recorded shows, James Franklin's press conferences, other featured videos, and you guys have responded in a way that I, you know, this is 
sounds like an acceptance speech, but just thank you. Thank you so much for supporting us. Uh, but we always need to remind you the support needs to be continual to fight the almighty algorithm. Fight is going well, but we always appreciate your support. Like, subscribe, all that great stuff. And over at bluewhiteillustrated.com where you get all the good stuff. Like that's the the fountain of the main source of information, including some of the conversations we'll, we'll, that'll branch off from articles that the three of us have written over at the site, including uh, some stuff that Nate and Fitz and I have written this week. So sign up right now and you'll get access to all of that stuff. Uh, next, we need to tell you about today's sponsor of the show, and that is alumlodge.com. If you want to go to the homecoming game, you want to go to the game against the team that everyone wants to know, can Penn State beat Michigan? Well, find out for yourself in person, and you can stay in an elite facility. What you get to choose between all of these wonderful locations, uh, including this wonderful place, the village at Penn State. If you want to know where the swanky houses are, the places to be in State College, you can stay in Park Forest. You can stay uh, in Belfont if you like a country retreat at a literal horse farm. Or you can, as you see here, this lovely house and just 2.1 miles from the stadium. AlumLodge.com. Think of it as Airbnb, but just for Penn State fans. And more than that, they have a concierge mentality where they say, hey, what do you want the house to, uh, the temperature? What is the food you want stocked in the fridge? Do you want directions? Do you want uh, suggestions of places to go in State College? You can check all that stuff out at AlumLodge.com. And I would suggest that you, you get over there right now because I've used the site a couple of times to see like, hey, What's open? And you can see, like on the booking screen right there, you need to check it out now because there are not a lot of availabilities left, and it's an awesome way to experience Happy Valley because you can live like, like a townie while you're here watching the game. So check them out again, alumlaunch.com, and use the promo code BWI to get 10% off your booking. That's a big deal. 10% off a weekend stay in State College just by using the promo code BWI. Tell them that the BWI live show sent you here to alumlaunch.com. Thanks again to Alum Lodge for being part of the show. Now let's get into uh, what I'm excited for is to hear what you guys have to say about the Penn State Northwestern game coming up this weekend. We're going to get into the preview of what our guys that are going to be at the stadium think about this game. So Fitz, lead us off, unmute yourself, and let's have a conversation about what you're seeing from Northwestern and what James Franklin calls the best passing quarterback that they have, folk, they have seen so far. Is that an important detail to you in this game? Go back on the schedule and look at who they've faced as passing quarterbacks. Yeah. I mean, I did it yesterday, and this I think the secondary is very good. I, they have not been tested whatsoever so far for by a passing quarterback, and I think that that's really, um, you know, a double-edged sword, backhanded compliment, if you will. So, like, they're going to face better passing quarterbacks. They don't face a ton in the Big Ten. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, th I think so. Um, I, I look at this and go defensively and see what Northwestern offers defensively. The 12th best overall defense in the Big Ten, the 14th and last defense against the run in the big 10 like that's that spells trouble right there like penn state mm -hmm. has been close at times this year in terms of breaking one and i think those holes it's just gonna be a little bit bigger and uh you mentioned in your in your film piece about safeties filling and how that it gives an opportunity for penn state they get to the second level you know they they get past that first wave they don't go down they've got some green in front of them and uh, i think they're gonna have an opportunity to run the football this weekend but uh yeah i mean it's it, you look at um you look at the the matchups and I think they, they favor Penn state overwhelmingly. Like sometimes you find a team that does something a little bit different that, you know, maybe makes up for that. You found uh Newton against Illinois blew up some things. Northwestern, I don't believe has a Newton. Like they don't have a guy that's close to that level. So yeah. you, you've got, you've got some, some good athletes out there. You know, you got some, some good schemes and things like that. But I think with, with the talent gap being as what it is, Penn state's going to have a lot of advantages in this game. Yeah, and Joe Evans, by the way, you talk about guys that blew things up. Uh, you know, he was a guy that was a major factor in some of the run game against uh, Iowa. And in this game, what you're looking for guys like that, I think you make a great point. Nate, what, what are you looking for from the Penn State offense? And you mentioned we've talked about the running game. Is this yeah. where we see a complete effort from Penn State in terms of the explosive plays, the consistency, smash mouth football, which reminds me of my question from earlier, which we'll get to because it fits in perfectly here. Yeah, I I do think that certainly this is an opportunity for Penn State to 
hit on right. Explosive plays have been the conversation this week. And I, I actually think that this is a prime opportunity to, to hit them. Right. Uh, Northwestern did fairly well defensively in its first two weeks of the season, uh, stopping chunk plays. It has not done well since then. Uh, Duke had 15 explosive plays. Duke had 323 yards of explosive plays in that game against Northwestern. Uh, they had 10 carries uh, that were worth 192 rushing yards. So if if today isn't, or excuse me, if this weekend is not uh, the opportunity for Nick Singleton and Katron Allen to, to rip off a couple of 20 yarders, um, I, I would be very, very surprised. It seems like this is uh, a prime opportunity for them to do that. Uh, you know, even Minnesota last week had carries of 41 and 43 yards. Uh, Minnesota had a 53 yard pass completion, right? So all this one ingredient of Penn State's offense that has been missing since uh, Keandre Lambert Smith's 72 yard touchdown in the first game of the season. Yeah, there, there, there should be an opportunity there for Penn State to to take advantage and show its explosiveness, show its playmaking, show its ability to to do that. And for what it's worth. I think that Penn State's mentality for this one might skew opposite of the conservative side, right? Mm -hmm. There's no, right? You can you can foresee getting locked into a like I mean, as James Franklin said, a grinded out game against Iowa, a grinded out game against Illinois. I I don't see the parameters where that would happen against Northwestern. I mean, I guess Northwestern could go crazy, but uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it does seem like a a situation that would be ripe to take some risks and to, to, to take a couple, uh, to be a little more free flowing with uh, the offense and how they present themselves. I I think it's a great point. You, you look at a West Virginia team that wanted to grind. You look at the uh, Illinois and the Iowa games. It's set up early where Penn state was going to have to play a certain style fits. This is, this is where I'm, curious from a football perspective if you're a head coach James Franklin talked about balance earlier this week and saying that it's not run 50 times and pass 50 times it is how do we win and can we win in any way do we have the personnel and the mentality to grind it out or to win with explosive plays in a high-flying game which one do you think is harder for a team to learn and for specifically this Penn State team to learn um to to do because we've seen a little bit of of one thing historically from the Nittany Lions. Got you on mute again. This is terrible. Um, I, the mowers, they show up when we're online. They must be listeners. They just know when we're going to be live. So <laughs> apologize for that. Um, no, I think that the, the big play has been the focus for so long for Penn State to be able to pivot and not be able to do that. that that's harder. Like to to grind it out, to sometimes grind it out, to sometimes, you know, lean on the, the passing game. Just to to do that is harder and it's it's more dangerous. You know, it's it's not the situation where you're relying on throwing the ball down the field four or five times a game just to see if you can make something happen. The way that they've been able to spin that on its head and, you know, get those gains and and become more efficient in the red zone, which is something they struggled with coming out, coming out of the gates this season, to be able to do that makes you an extremely dangerous team. Like to, to be able to do that because you're going to because if you can do that, if you can pivot and play a different style game, it's going to help you in the two two game season that we talk about because Ohio State and Michigan are very different ball clubs. And, you know, regardless of what Ryan Day says, that's more of a, you know, a finesse throw it around team. And, uh, you know, their defense kind of plays the same way where Michigan's going to smack in the mouth. And I don't think that that's a, a criticism either because they both won a lot of football games playing the way that they do. They just play differently. And yeah. Penn State has sort of been in the middle of that. So if you can branch off and do one, branch off and do the other, you're setting yourself up for potential success, like more potential success than you've seen it. Because because usually it's one or the other. Like it's, it is play the game where you're going to score the most points, the Ohio State game, or play the game where you're going to grind it out and win 17 to 14, the Michigan game. It usually isn't both. And for Penn State to be able to work around that, not take the shots downfield. Like it's it's not like they're not hitting the shots downfield. They're not taking the shots downfield. And I think well, yeah. part of that is by design, but they've turned around, they've checked it down. They've gotten a first down on a crosser when they don't throw it down the field. Like that is, that is the, the part that's been missing for Penn State for a long time. And I think for all the hand wringing we do about the lack of the explosive and the, the big, the, the quote unquote big play, 
the fact that they had what 27 first downs or something like like that last week is is kind of different than what we're, runs counter to what we've we've grown to know the uh, the Penn State offense. So I think that gives you the versatility to do that. Now I said it before, the big plays are going to have to come at some point. Like you're going to have to go up and make that play. You're going to have to have the receivers make a play on the ball and like take a loss in the air and turn it into a win which we haven't seen really this year from, from the Penn state team. I know Tyler Warren, I know there's a big uh, conversation about Tyler Warren in the comments. He's made some nice catches, you know, some contested catches, but they really haven't put themselves in that situation this year. And I think they're going to have to, at some point. It's, it's a, it's an interesting situation where you have all of these factors that go in as well. And something I asked James Franklin last night and I, I probably didn't have the specific verbiage to say it correctly in the situation, but they have seen a lot of these match four quarters defenses. And I, I just, my observation is there's a lot more of these than you had noticed previously. And he talked about it is different than just playing two high safeties, playing a safe cover two uh, system, because it gives you a little bit of both worlds where you have four players deep, but you can also add one in the run game because one of those guys is over the box. He's usually playing a tight end. So they are playing more defenses that are set up to limit those explosive plays. But can you break them? And that's where an area of can you get those explosive plays? Can you design the pass? And can the quarterback then execute the pass to, to get the defense where you want them? And that's an area where Delaware had five players deep. Uh, on a lot of passing plays and when they weren't they were sending five or six so it was it was speeding up the rhythm of the quarterback Iowa didn't give them anything so half the game so far this season they've been playing defenses that are specifically tailored to stopping those big plays so the conversation has to have some context of what they've faced so far um so Nate I want to get your final thoughts on this game before we get into the game predictions um what is an interesting situation or or what is an acceptable outcome from this game of panic meter if they don't blow the team out because that's the next that's the next thing that's going to happen is if this is not a, the game that I think some of us are expecting there's going to be more oh no what happens in th in three weeks so how do you view the performance in this game and the expected performance versus what might happen yeah that's a that's a good question don't lose right number yeah. one don't don't lose the game this is not the game to lose right you you have two games of which you need to win at least one and we we know what those two games are so th that's the bottom line is get out of there healthy get out of there with a win and then you know if if you have the the opportunity to accentuate your strengths and to to be this explosive team that you think that you are do that if if the game doesn't go that way which is possible right if it if it if it ends up getting to halftime or to late in the second quarter and it's a close game then maybe you have to adjust a little bit maybe you have to to be willing again to to get into that slog which again that, that was part of the conversation from James Franklin last night is he it, it, to me it signals something of a bit of um, and I think you said this the other day, Tuesday, T Frank, it, it's a, it's a maturation almost on his part, on James Franklin's part to come back with, Hey, we're, we're okay with this. We're, we're okay with playing an unsexy brand of football. If we have to, if, if that is what is uh, necessary. So yeah, I'll, I'm, I'm intrigued to see how this game goes because I do think Penn state could, could put up 60 points against these guys. I, I think yeah. that. Penn State could just as easily find itself in a 31 to 13 game where it just does the same thing that it did at, at Illinois. Um, I skew towards the, the the explosive side, just given what Northwestern is uh, is dealing with. But, you know, e either way, as long as Penn State wins, I think that they're going to come out of it feeling uh, pretty good about themselves. Okay, so let's get to the predictions. We have uh, score predictions for everybody uh, Everybody over at BlueWhiteIllustrated.com went up this morning before the show. Fitz, let's hear what you got to say about uh, what you think is going to happen between Penn State and Northwestern on Saturday. I, I have Penn State big. Uh, I think that uh, you've got the 45 to 7 is how big I've got them. I think that Penn State is in a situation now. You look at that 30-point streak. 
And you think Penn State, you know, at least if you follow week to week or day to day, you think Penn State hasn't played, um, you know, their their A game yet. And I, I don't know that this is necessarily going to be their A game, um, but I think that they're in a position I'm taller than you guys on this. this too. I think this is going to be a situation um, where they could, I don't want to say grind out 45 points like they they could be off their game and still score. You know, they still scored 38 against West Virginia. I don't think anybody mistake mistook them for being on their game so uh, i i think this is a game where you know you cannot play at your best and still score a ton of points just because of that northwestern defense so i think penn state's gonna have the opportunity to to do some things i think they're gonna you know get the opportunity to to get their reserves on the field to i think they're gonna be playing reserves on defense from not from the start but like early in the game when penn state Mm -hmm. coaches against teams that they think they are much better than like they will rotate those backup linebackers in there. They will rotate safeties and corners and defensive line. They'll, they'll rotate all those guys through um, to, to keep those guys fresh. And then, you know, if they get their backs against the wall a little bit, they'll tighten up. But I think they're going to, I think they're going to do that on Saturday. I think this is the much better team and uh, we're going to see what happens. I mean, it's, it's obviously a lazy atmosphere at Ryan field. Uh, Again, one of the cooler atmospheres, I think in the big 10, one of the more unique, I'll say that atmospheres in the big 10. So you're going to have to figure out a way to, to, to put that foot on the gas, but I think the big playability is there. And I think we're finally going to see it this weekend. Uh, Nate, I've got a fancy graphic, but I need you to say it out loud for me to put it for real on the internet. What do you got today? I got 42 to 10, which I'll be honest. I, See, I don't know the the rules, even all this, you know, all these years later, I don't know the rules for predicting shutouts, right? It, there, There is something yeah. to like, you're a jerk <laughs> about it uh, <laughs> that that fans can do certainly. But as an analyst, it's like, it's, it's harder or a, a reporter, I should say, I'm not an analyst uh, as a reporter covering the team. It's, it's, it's harder to predict that. Um, but yeah, I debated, I dabbled with uh with picking a shutout i I just penn state's defense is really good right if 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 north like how is northwestern going to score points because if it finds itself in second and third and long the way that virtually every team penn state has faced this season finds itself in you're just you're just in trouble right you're just in trouble you're just not likely to uh to be able to pick up first downs it is and i guess uh, I, I haven't looked going back would, would be interesting to see the, the correlation between first downs defense and first downs offense, but first down offense, Penn state's tied for fifth in the country. They're first in the big 10. They they have 109 first downs, right? They, they have just controlled the ball and on the other side. They're first in the country for defense first downs given up with 46. Like you, you can't even move the ball let alone score points against these guys. So I, I just, with Northwestern, is is Northwestern primed to to break off a big one? They had a big one last week. They scored an 80-yard touchdown early in the game. Yeah. Uh, or excuse me, late in the, the second half. Or excuse me, late in the second quarter. Um, but other than that, it's Cover just, all your bases, yeah. Cover, yeah. <laughs> it happened some sometime point, after the first it, quarter. <laughs> it was in the game. They played a game and that play happened. Uh, yeah, so no, I just, I just don't know. I don't know what the avenues are for, uh, for Northwestern's scoring points realistically against the, against this Penn State defense. The problem, just, the problem with predicting a shutout is you get a fluke field goal, you know, they go down. So Penn State's first drive defense has been like the, the in-game threads have been fantastic because it's just like, well, they suck. Yeah. Yeah. Just all over yeah. the place. And then <laughs> adjust your expectations. And then they have 20 yards the rest of the game. Uh, yeah. yeah. Adjust your season prediction first drive. Um, but Penn State's first <laughs> drive has, you know, it, it's felt out the offense. The offense has been able to move the football. That's nothing new. So all it takes is a field goal. You know, you remember the, the Illinois game, they missed a field goal in the first drive. So all it takes like, and, and once that's off the board, the shutouts off the board, it's more embarrassing, you know, like if you predict a shutout and then th- three minutes into the game, it's uh it's three, nothing Northwestern. Yeah. You kind of look like an idiot. So, and, and I've yeah. done that before. It's, it's really great. Let me tell you. Um, but, uh, that's, that's why that's, it's just so apprehensive to, 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 I don't know what the odds are. Like the, like the betting odds would be on a shutout. I'm sure they're actually lower than you would think, but at the same time, it's just like, it does, there, there are not many shutouts for a reason. We'll be getting to the BWI mailbag in just one short second. So if you got any questions, throw those in the chat. I'm just giving everybody their, uh, their time in the sun here in the chat as well. Everyone's got their predictions. Chris says 48 to 10. Ryan says 52, 13. Uh, Chris says, uh, Kevin says he likes Chris's 
uh, uh, prediction, 48-7. Grant said 42 nothing. We got Konkoff says 300 yards rushing. So we've got a lot of optimistic fans here in the chat. One of my biggest problems, guys, is that uh, from a prediction standpoint, it's always like Wednesday morning, hey, we need you to get your prediction. And I'm like, I haven't watched everything yet. I haven't watched hardly anything yet. And like on Tuesday, I have people say, hey, like, you know, what have you seen from Northwestern? I'm like, guys, I'm still watching Iowa to clean things up from last week. And then all of a sudden, you know, we're moving on to want our uh, predictions. So it's the, to me, it's the avenue of how do you score points? And is it a, is it a realistic thing? Because they have Ben Bryant, Northwestern has an opportunity if Pensa gets lazy in the secondary to score some points. You know, if they, if they lapse, Ben Bryant can read coverage very well. But then the question becomes, can any receivers get open against the secondary that has been pretty much locked down other than some mental mistakes that they had for specific reasons early in the season? So we'll see. You know, I, I think that they could score points. But as you guys pointed out, very easily they could not score any points in this game because Penn State's defense is so good. Let's get to it. The BWI mailbag, which would took, a, I think, a week off, chock full. So we got to get to it now. The first thing I want to do today uh, in the mailbag is, you know, we have a Wednesday show with uh, here on the YouTube channel. It is our one non-live show of the week where it's pre-recorded. It's a, a syndicated radio broadcast from Keystone Sports Network, which we air here on the YouTube show. And sometimes people donate to the channel, so I just wanted to thank Pete Anthon here on the show specifically. Gave some uh, money to the chat yesterday, and I always want to make sure that people who support us, they get their uh, they get their thank yous on air. Now, I want to then apologize to you guys because the the videos never upload in the order in the rundown. So we're going to just kind of, we're, we're going to get to some of these in an order that is going to be interesting, and hopefully we get to all of them. So let's start with Caden Wallace. This is a question here from PSU Ram over the Blue White Illustrated message board. How has Caden Wallace graded out so far overall? How improved is he versus last year? And do you think he'll be ready to go toe-to-toe -to -toe with JT Tulamoliao? Um, there's always an Ohio State or a... Uh, Michigan angle on some of these questions. So, Fitz, you mentioned earlier, you don't really know about that part in terms of they got to get on the field and play each other, but how have you seen Caden Wallace play so far? Yeah, I think he's been okay. Like, I think he's been better than, I mean, here, here's where we're at. Like, people have watched Caden the last couple of years, and they they see what they want to see, right? Especially with offensive line play. You see, um, you know, the the lapses and things like that. There, there have been fewer this year, and I think he's actually done a good job. He's come along in his run blocking as well. Yeah. Um, so I think he's, I think he's a, I don't want to say a very improved player. He's definitely an improved player. Like he has done what we thought that he might based on the preseason feedback where he came in and he beat out Drew Shelton pretty decidedly um, for that right tackle spot in the spring. And then, uh, you know, sort of uh, par parlayed that over. So I think he's, he's playing like a guy that's going to get drafted. Like it's, it'd be a late draft pick, but he's playing like a guy that's going to get drafted right now. So I, I went back specifically uh, to the Iowa game because Joe Evans was probably the best actual pass rushing threat that he's faced so far this year. A couple of things that I found specifically was that they, on certain downs and distances, they gave him some help where they chipped and they had running back run through the rush lane. And that helped out a little bit. But as you mentioned, he's genuinely better concrete, better run blocker this year. Mm -hmm. uh, but there's also some context, some context to this as well. Drew Aller's a different quarterback. The offense has been different this year. The time to throw has been much shorter, so he's not having to block for three full seconds on a regular basis on these deep dropbacks. Uh, that's the good part. Drew Aller also likes to drift to his right, so it looks like Caden Wallace is giving up a pressure, but really you would say the quarterback is drifting into that pressure against the leverage of the tackle, making it seem like it's like, oh, okay, here we go again, Caden Wallace, but you have to have some context for the situation he's in. Um, and, and that's really, to me, I think that you, you put it all into context. He has given up four pressures so far this year, according to PFF. He's been a very good run blocker. So you've set up a better situation for him to succeed. And then the question becomes, can you do that against JT Tulamolio? Can you keep your offense on schedule where you aren't exposing Aller to big hits because you're going third and eight and have to three, you know, a full progression, middle of the field, 15 yard deep in? You know, like, what are you doing in that game? So if they can protect him from those situations, I think he can be exactly what Fitz said is a, a draftable tackle. 
Um, this is another question that kind of peels off of that. Does Aller play it safe with the throws he makes, or is it a, co a concerted effort by the team to limit the playbook and tape before Ohio State? Nate, hiding the playbook for the important games. Fact hmm. or fiction on this one? Hmm. Sorta? Maybe? Sorta. <laughs> I think. I, I, look, I... Nailed that one. Yeah. I, I know. I... <laughs> I don't think it's fiction necessarily, it, right? You do what you need to do, right? Are, are they, have they been crazy creative? I, I don't think so. And I don't think that they've accentuated what some of their strengths, what some of their accentuate, uh, what some of their expected strengths are this season, just based on the teams that they've played, right? Not, not only uh, the quality of the teams that they play, but the style of the teams that they played. So it's, it's, it's a little bit of, yes, you don't want to, like you, you do want uh, Michigan and Ohio state to have to think about things, right? That, I mean, that's, that is the weekly Bo Perbula conversation, right? Is yep. how, how do you create this aura of there's still something left in the tank because there is frankly, right? We, we have seen Penn state's offense be explosive. Nick Singleton is explosive. We, we like, whether we can say that he is or not this season is irrelevant because there's all of the evidence from last yep. season saying that he is right. And so there is a whole missing piece of what this Penn state team is right. Not, not what they can be, but what it is that just hasn't been put on film yet. Right. And it's, and so in some circumstances or in, in some senses, it is a matter of, yeah, you, you, you don't want to put everything out there that you can do, but also, yeah, this is just the way that the, the, the game has gone for them to this point in the season. I, I, I have, again, I go back to what have you faced? And this is the conversation fits about the personality of the quarterback as well. And this is where I think the play calling and you have correctly uh, identified there haven't been a ton of shots in these particular games. But the quarterback's personality, James Franklin says he didn't even make a turnover-worthy play until three-quarters of the way through camp. And to me, that's also talking about the nature of the quarterback. And I do think what we've seen so far is that Drew Aller does lean conservative and safe with the football. Is that a bad thing? Because I'm just saying that as a characteristic and an observation, but some people will take that as, that's a bad thing. I don't necessarily think it's a bad thing. I think it is a thing but that's a part of the conversation with the explosive plays. How, how do you, I guess, view that? Penn State doesn't have a turnover this year. Is that a bad thing? Like, right. I, I mean, <clears throat> excuse me. The, the second the second part of the question is a concerted effort to limit the, the playbook. I think it's a concerted effort to limit the risky throws with the caveat that that out pattern that he throws is a risky throw for a large percentage of quarterbacks in college football. It's, it's not as high for him, um, but it's still a risky throw. So, and, and again, when, when he misses, he'll miss outside. He, he has thrown some dangerous balls. You remember that screen last week that he just lofted up. I mean, that was a, yeah. uh, I, I don't even know to who, who to compare that. We've seen that play a couple of times. I think Illinois a couple of years ago um, with uh, Sikowski oh, yeah. did it. Like he just threw it right to the defense and, you know, he got lucky on that one, but like, there are a few instances where we can draw examples of, of what drew has done to put the ball in jeopardy. Like, and that's, that's pretty darn good for a guy that's only started four games so far. Next question here in, uh, again, from blue white illustrated.com on the lion's den message forum. We put out a call usually Wednesday nights, if I remember to after practice and all the mayhem. Uh, but definitely you can get your questions in before the show, uh, Thursday morning. That is if you sign up, to get premium access at bluewhiteillustrated.com. Poncho570, he's back. He says, has Penn State conquered its toughest tests with the exception of Michigan and Ohio State for the season? Meaning, have they played all the best teams on the schedule? Um, and how would you grade the job Dion Barnes, defensive line coach, has done specifically with the defensive tackles? Uh, Nate, can you answer that first part of the question? Strength of schedule. Have they passed the biggest tests so far outside of you-know-who and those other guys? Hell of an exception. <laughs> uh, no. And I'll tell you why. I think November 4th at Maryland mm -hmm. could be interesting, right? Could be a Penn State blowout. Sure. Right. I, I mean, Penn State has had quite a bit of success against Maryland, but 
there's a lot of football to play, right? And this is a Maryland team that is uh, at minimum average, right? That they they are not with a good a quarterback. Bad, with a good quarterback, they are not a bad team. And so when you're playing a team, let me let me see here. Uh, scoring offense, they're tied for 28th nationally. They're scoring 37.2 points per game, right? And admittedly. Uh, Virginia, Michigan State are the two toughest opponents that they've played so far this season. But it, teams that can score, to me, don't don't necessarily. It doesn't mean that Penn State can't shut them down. It just means there is the opportunity. There's the risk of that yeah. happening. Uh, and so, to me, if I'm evaluating what this Penn State team is right now, uh, I mean, what I, what I you know, and I understand the the game streak of 30 points plus that's fine. But also you're not seeing against good teams, Penn state throw up 45, 55, 60. Right. And so the, like the notion that Penn state would get into a, a scoring fest against a team that can score, uh, I, I think represents a little bit of a challenge. That's why, that's why Illinois and Iowa aren't right. Is they can't, they can't, yeah. they can't score. They can't, there's no offense. They don't, they don't play offense. There's no, there's nothing there. They, no they there play there. defense against their offense by having the quarterbacks and the, and making the decisions they make from an offensive schematic perspective that they want to limit the involvement of the quarterback in the point totals. So you, you can't, I agree with you a hundred percent about that. Uh, Fitz on the second part of that question, how would you evaluate how the defensive tackles have done and how Dion Barnes has coached that unit? And also, um, Torrance Brown, I think you should get a shout out here in this conversation as well. Yeah. Torrance has been the guy working with the defensive tackles when we've been in practice. So he's, he's definitely had a hand in this. Um, and they've come along. I think adding Kaziah Izzard to that mix has made a world of difference. Like I think that Vandenberg for, you know, all the, the physical traits and stuff that he has, he just does not bring the same, uh, I don't want to say football acumen, but he does not bring the same presence as Kaziah Izzard in the middle. I think yeah. Keen Beeman's done a really good job, a really underrated job, because that's not a stat position. Um, and he's done a he's done a nice job of setting some things up. Zane Duran has done some nice things. I, I hesitate to jump too far ahead of it. Like I kind of said in the preseason, I thought they'd be fine. And I think they're they're fine to okay. Like I don't know where that where that is on the scale. Um, but I think they're where they need to be. Um, but it does not matter until you play Ohio State, Michigan, like essentially. So I think they've yeah. done a nice job. I think they've found themselves. I think they're playing off each other very well. Um, to have a team that has an offense or an offensive reputation, at least like Iowa, who's not going to score points, but they might try and pound you. Like they've done a nice job responding to that. So I think they've done they've done a pretty good job in that in that sense. But until you know, it's it's an incomplete until they play those two teams, like like most positions out there, but especially defensive tackle after you know after we what we saw from Michigan last year. Going back to the first part of the question, like uh, I mean, you've got. Um, toughest test is is kind of irrelevant like west virginia is behind you that's the second or third best offensive line you're going to see yeah. illinois got a you know a top 15 draft pick in newton you, you know you're going to see some of those guys on the the good teams you play but that's behind you um i agree with nate in that maryland is going to be a test maryland's got a lot of football to play before then too and they're not a team so injuries i think might be a factor by the time you get there so you don't you know that that evaluation that nate made today might be very different come November for Maryland, but we're going to see, and, but that is a team with a quarterback and there's only a couple of them on the roster or excuse me, on the schedule. There's only a couple of them on the schedule this year. So I think that that's uh, certainly a, a, a tester, but like, <laughs> like I said, those two teams, they're the exception for a reason. Those are the ones that you're, you're not judging your season up based off of West Virginia, Illinois, Iowa, Maryland. You're judging your season based off of Ohio state, Michigan. And until we get there, that's uh that's the big question. You just embody the spirit of Joel Klatt. That was uh, <laughs> from his uh, everything is uh, gauged against those two teams. But you're I mean, you're right. That, that is ultimately when you're talking about the schedule and specifically those things. That is absolutely the, the right point there. I want to come back to you with this question, which from CJ Ruger asks, how does the staff deal with or evaluate players injured during uh, or ineligible for their senior year? Um, how this has been with NIL and transferring and all these things. I know that we've had this conversation a couple of times with players. So how are they evaluating those players, um, that, you know, that have these situations? Yeah. You, you just got to stick with them. Like that's kind of how Penn state's handled their business in the past. There have been times when there, there have been guys that, you know, haven't been up to snuff and they've, you know, kind of had the, the tough conversation with them and, and those guys have found their own ways out. Um, but the, the, most of the time when you've got 
Kari Jackson's injured right now. He's not, I don't know if he's going to play this year or not. Uh, uh, Corey Smith is injured this year. T.A. Cunningham is out this year. He's going to have surgery as well. So you've got at least three guys. I'm not even sure if there's if there's any more to that. But basically, you've got to be supportive. you got to stick with them and go with it. Like the, 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 it's, it's unfortunate, absolutely. But they had um, Corey Smith in camp. They've, you know, they, they, kind of know what they're getting with Kari Jackson as a, as a middle linebacker. So mm-hmm. these will be ongoing conversations um, with, I, I don't think the change of NIL and all this stuff really changes much with your injuries. And it also kind of depends what injury you've, you're dealing with uh, Jackson and Smith, both dealing, I believe with upper, upper body injuries. Um, so it's not an ACL. It's not something, you know, it's not Achilles, something like that. So you get a chance to um, you know, rehab those guys, and it probably doesn't have the impact of an ACL or something like that. So all you can do right now is stand by those guys. I know I talked to T.A. Cunningham, who has moved back to Georgia with his mother. Um, he's I, I don't know if he's on the Grayson roster or not, but he he's not going to play this year. But he says, hey, Penn State knows all about this. They've been supportive. And that's the thing. Like, if you're going to hide an injury from somebody, which really doesn't happen very often, like, that's, a, that's an issue. But if you're going to be up front and be like, hey, this is kind of out of my control – Penn State's the type of program that will stick by these guys. You could have had that information, by the way, months ago at BlueWayIllustrated.com because Fitz is all over this stuff. So another reason, just a wink and a nudge. If you're here, there's thousands of people watching right now. Don't check my math. That's absolutely correct. Um, consider joining because we get that information for you at BlueWayIllustrated.com. Here we go again with explosive plays. So another two-part question. Nate, which is most likely to happen versus Northwestern this week? 40-plus yard pass play or 40-plus yard run play? Uh, and then Fitz, I'll come to you with this one. If you could only choose one of the following the rest of the season, would you have an explosive passing game or explosive running game and why? So, Nate, you're up first. Uh, I'll take the pass. Okay. All right. I- yeah, okay. I mean, <laughs> I'm going to go with the pass. Very good. For for we got five minutes left. I love that. Uh, Fitz, next, uh, number two there for you. I, I'll also take the passing game over the running game. And I know it's more volatile with uh, with numbers and things like that. But you look at the, the way that things have gone in the college football playoff, and we're talking about the top, top of the sport here, not just going down November playing Rutgers and, you know, just Michigan state and all that stuff. It's, it's about the college football playoff and that being the focus. Like that is what has kept Penn state kind of down, down a level is the, the, the receiver. Well, maybe not just Penn state, but that's, that's what's kept it, kept a lot of teams up there and kept a lot of teams out is those dudes on the outside making those plays like against yep. really good secondary, you know, cause you're going to face a good secondary. You're going to face a good defense in the playoff. You got to have those guys step up. Has Penn state had that this year? No, they really haven't. And that's, you know, if, if you're going to be the evolution of the offense that you want to be, you're going to have those receivers step up on the outside. So if you're going to have that explosive passing game, that means somebody's doing something right on the outside. And that's that, that would be the best evolution I think for this team. Something I'm going to be writing about today at bluewhiteillustrated.com is advanced stats we're tracking for the offense. Wrote about uh, Drew Aller yesterday. The receivers yak. Um, one thing we're gonna—I just want to mention here—is that the type of route also helps to create explosive plays. So, one thing I will mention is Drew Aller is great at finding the soft spot in the zone. But if you're coming back downhill and you're not running a vertical route that continues downfield, you have to then the it's the emphasis, as you mentioned, is placed on the receiver to break a tackle, make something happen outside the structure of the passing play. Um, so the next question here, play calling and conservatism from JT Boogie. He's a new member at bluewhiteillustrated.com. He took the plunge uh, last week with our, our deal. So you should be like JT Boogie and join us. T Frank is a conservative offensive formula to be old school Alabama conservative run the ball, play good defense. I thought the offensive formula was to be like Ohio state. I find myself expecting, okay, take a shot here at the end zone. It never comes understand to be conservative and win 10 games is the schedule. Uh, but if you can't be explosive, uh, in the big games, if you don't use those muscles, do you lose those muscles? I think it goes back to the conversation about Drew Aller. He is the trigger man. There have been opportunities. Again, if he hits the touchdown to Theo Johnson, which was like a 20-yard touchdown in the red zone, and the big play to Keandre Lambert-Smith, this is a very different conversation. But when you look at the teams they're playing, and this is why I asked James Franklin about these match-four systems that they're that I think are you know kind of more prevalent than they were in the past, they have some significant disadvantages where if you can basically move the chess pieces around the board and get explosive plays by design, they're there. But they allow you, as James Franklin talked about last night, to keep an extra player in the run game while also having two deep safeties. 
So this is the answer to explosive offenses by defensive coordinators. We want to have our cake and eat it too. And Aller has just taken those short passes. So I don't know that it's necessarily by design other than specifically the Iowa game. Against Delaware, I just want to say this again. Against Delaware, they kept a safety in the middle of the field and then had safeties on top of that. As James Franklin talked about, three safety systems is different. So they have faced the guys, and I don't care if it's FCS Delaware, it, Drew Aller's making the correct decision, and the correct decision by the scheme was, we are denying you these plays, you will not have them. So he didn't take them. And that's, that's, not, by, that's not by the offense deciding to be Alabama. But we are creatures and captured in the moment, and Iowa's fresh on everybody's mind. Sykim asks, Fitz, I'll come to you with this one, which players have improved, elevated their game from game one to game four? Actually, I, I want to follow up on yours real quick, and we'll get to this one. Um, but like on the chalkboard, those X's are, whether you're Delaware or whether you're Iowa's defense, like those X's are the same. Do you take comfort in the fact that they're that he's avoiding those X's, whether it's no matter who it is, and making the right decision, and how much is that going to benefit Penn State in the long run in terms of making the right decision regardless yep. of the opponent, making the right read, and instead of trying to say, that's a Delaware athlete back there, I can beat him. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with that 100%. Okay. That was a you know in a question form, but anyway. Oh, um, sorry. <laughs> no. Um, all right, which players have elevated their game from one to four? I think Hunter Norzad's done a heck of a job. Like He was the player of the game against Illinois last week, um, part of the player of the game. Um, against uh, uh, Iowa last week or this past weekend. I think he's done a nice job of settling in. He started a little shaky, uh, the high snaps right right, right off the bat. Um, and he's always getting rolled up on. So he's that that is a dude whose health meter is never going to be at 100. Um, but he's done a heck of a job. And he has straight up bodied some people in the last couple of weeks against some physical defensive fronts. Yeah, by the way, I was I was reading the chat. I was wondering, uh, I was reading some of these questions here, so I apologize. I agree 100% with what you were saying. And also, yes, you avoid the mistakes and then you make the plays. That is That should be the way that you build a quarterback in the way that I think Penn State fans will want him eventually. Ronald, I'll throw this one in here quickly. Curious why they haven't used counter plays with Singleton, especially with his explosiveness. They did last week. Iowa just defended it well. Like that's that's what it comes down to. You could check that out at T Frank's film room. We we talked about that. That was a that was a big play, a big shift last week was they used those schemes and formations last week and they had pivoted to it, but it didn't make a huge difference because they rolled up fifty seven run plays. So um Nate, I want to come to you with this question. Uh, actually, can you give us your player of player or team part of the team that has improved over the course of the first uh four games? You know what? I'm going to do it because he got killed early. Tyler Elston. All right. Has been, he's been better. He's been better, right? It, for getting crushed in the first week uh, and some of the things that were being said about him, I, I think, you know, relax. Chill out. He played well against <laughs> Iowa. A downhill team, that's his style. Like, yep. moving east to west, there's there's some issues there. But downhill just, team, I'm, played really well. Some red meat into the water there. Oh, you want some red meat? I'm going to throw a, a bomb here. Echo is the name says, stop making excuses for them. We are an explosive play team forever. Don't accept this dink and dunk football style. I want bombs and long runs. Um, it's, it's, how do you react to that, guys? Like In terms of the pushback of, I don't care, get explosive plays, because that is where you ultimately need to be. I think he's, I think he's kind of right. Yeah, I mean, I I, I do think too. Yeah, here, here's here here's the one thing that Franklin brought up this week that is is just is not getting enough airtime is receivers making plays at the line of scrimmage, right? Think about Parker Washington's touchdown against Ohio State last year, right? That was a, a six yard pass that he turned into sixty. Think about Keandre Lambert Smith, uh, his touchdown. Now it's a couple of years ago. But one of his long, uh, like right, seventy-two yard touchdown, I think against Villanova, that was caught within ten yards of the line of scrimmage. There, there is a responsibility and uh, an impetus on these guys, whether it's whether it's the running backs, whether it's the receivers, to make a play against a defender and Jahan Dotson. Jahan screen Dotson. game, screen game in 2021 was all about Jahan Dotson making people miss and getting 20 yards after the catch. So, so that has to happen. That, like, right, and that that has not happened so far this season. There is there is a reason why it's not happening on the on the 
mass, right? In mass, in terms of uh, having tons of explosive plays, that's fine because you're you're not going to make those one-on-one misses happen all the time. But you got to make them happen sometimes. And so far this season, it hasn't happened. You guys are writing my article for me, by the way, for later we today. Yeah. <laughs> the uh, last question here for the show. Thank you guys for staying a little extra longer. Always appreciate your time. Uh, but I'm going to call this the new Caden Wallace conversation. Blackheart8541 says, uh, first off, how about them bird dogs? Yes, currently wearing my bird dogs. Now onto the question. Notice Vega Yuana has been getting into the game quite often, switching on and off with Sal Wormley. In his, as he says, naive observation, he seems to be better overall blocker than Wormley. More bend, less stiffness, less robotic in the open field. Um, do you see him taking over down the stretch? Fitz, they call him a starter, Vega, in terms of the, the MVP of the off, was the offensive line, which included Vega and Drew Shelton last week against Iowa. Um, I guess, do you see him taking over down the stretch, or is this something where Vega is going to always be a part of the conversation because he is a starter-worthy pl- uh, player? I think it's always going to be part of the conversation. I think part of this, kind of what I said with Wallace earlier, is I think we people have resigned themselves to thinking that Wormley's a bad player, like, and they're they're seeing what they want to see with him because he's not been bad. Like, there have been times that he's been, you know, bodied a couple of times this year, and you're going to have that, and the worst is going to stick in your mind. Um, but he hasn't been bad. I think Vega Venga's done a really nice job. Like, he's he is adjusted to the point where you can throw him in there and you don't notice that a starter is not in there. And that's one of the bigger compliments you can give to a young offensive lineman. He's done a nice job. So I I, I think he's going to continue to play. I think he's going to continue to play on both sides. Of course, without landing in there, you need somebody to platoon at left guard with, uh, with JB Nelson. So I think, I think all the credit in the world to Venga. I think uh, Wormley's also done a pretty nice job, like a pretty solid job. You kind of know what you're getting with him. So I yep. think that that kind of plays into it as well. Like it's, it's not the top level. Like I think JB Nelson could be a top level guy. Like he can mm-hmm. be really, really good if he continues to develop. Sal's got a lot of his development behind him and you kind of see what he is. And I think you kind of, that kind of registers subconsciously in your brain that he's probably not going to get much better than, than what he is right now. Yeah, I think that's exactly right in terms of the shiny new object syndrome and what's the what's the ceiling of the next player? Let's find out immediately when you're going to go through the bumps and bruises again and you'll kind of just be in a similar situation, even if eventually that guy is the, you know, a, a better player in the long run, maybe not right now. So, uh, guys, thank you so much for your time today on the show. Nate, uh, any final thoughts, anything that you're thinking about that you're writing about preview over at bluewhiteillustrated.com? Actually, I'm going to have some basketball stuff. Ooh, good. What's up? I'm yeah, going just... to zig. I'm just, I'm zigging while everybody else zags. That's all is basketball started practice this week. And, uh, I anticipate having some, some, uh, some insights. Let's call it that Excellent. on, uh, on Friday. Fitz, how about you? Uh, anything that you're thinking about this week over at bluewoodillustrated.com? Thinking about going to Chicago tomorrow, but no, I'm thinking about uh, a lot of things. You've got your your film piece coming up, basketball coverage, recruiting coverage still coming in from the whiteout. Penn State got three commits. I saw a question in the chat about who's the next one. You greedy, greedy people. Um, <laughs> no, I think it's uh, there's there's been a lot on the site this week. Check it out, bluewhiteillustrated.com. Thank you so much for all your time today. We'll come up tomorrow with our five things heading into the game. Of course, we'll have our tailgate show 9 a.m. Get up and hang out with us. That'll be uh, before the game here on the YouTube channel and 99.5 The Bus locally in State College. And then we'll be doing uh, the post-game show, riding. Hopefully, I'll have a better answer of what the hell happened uh, with Penn State versus Northwestern than I did right away with Iowa, where that game was such a bludgeoning. I was like, I, the, everything happened in that game. So we'll talk about all of that uh, for the rest of the week. Lots of stuff to come here on the Blue White Illustrated. YouTube channel. Thanks so much for tuning in. Talk to you then.